last week we talked about the title of the message was, You Do Get Paid for Thinking. The, the, the context of it is, I asked a guy one time, what do you think? And he's like, oh, I don't get paid for thinking. And I told him, I said, that's not what I heard. You do get paid for thinking. The people who don't think generally are the ones that don't get paid. <clears throat> See, you, it pays to use what God's given you, right? The, the gift that he's given you, whatever brain matter you've been blessed with. Like I told my kids, you're a weaver. You can't afford to do drugs because you don't have any brain cells to waste. <laughs> We just got to be good stewards of whatever we got, right? If you have your Bibles, turn uh, to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to say this scripture again, the one we used last week, because it's good to repeat scripture. It's good to say it, and then it's good to say it again, and then it's good to say it again. And to get it into our mind and let it come and just marinate. Philippians 4 chapter, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brethren, everybody say finally. finally. Whatever things are true, say true. true. Whatever things are noble, say noble. noble. Whatever things are just, say just. Yes. Whatever things are pure, pure. whatever Things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Yes, the things which you've learned and received and heard. The things you learned and the things that you've received and the things that you've heard. And Saul and me, the apostle Paul said, these do and the God of peace will be with you. That's what you get paid with. Because peace is <clears throat> much more valuable than what you have in your wallet. You can't buy peace because Jesus said, I am your peace. He didn't say, I'll just give you some. He said, I will be your peace. And he said, I will keep you. Isaiah said, I will keep you in perfect peace. If, everybody say if. If you keep your mind stayed on me. And when we get our mind off of him and we stop thinking about him and looking to him for the answers and the solutions in life, then peace begins to dwindle. And we've all been there and done that and got that t-shirt, right? We've all done that. But when we keep our mind stayed on him, he rules and reigns in our hearts and in our minds and in our bodies and in our souls. Then we can walk in perfect peace. Even though there may be a storm on the outside, there's always going to be peace on the inside. Because he said he would never leave us. In other words, the peace of God will never leave us. He'll be a friend that sticks even closer than a brother. What a blessing. So to recap quickly. Last week we talked about the first point was stop waiting for an outside miracle to change your mind. 
Too many times we just wait for God to do something and we don't think that our job is to do anything until God does something. What God is saying to us is, is we've got to be the ones to do something. He's not going to impose his will or his peace on you until you make the decision to stay in perfect peace and accept his peace into your life. So stop waiting. You see, when, our, when your mind is changed, your life will be transformed. Remember, where your mind goes, your life always follows. What you think about is what you wind up doing. That's the reason we always say, when y'all use single people, we say, don't ever date somebody that's not a born-again Christian because if you open up that door, you might wind up marrying them. Then you're like, well, what happened? Well, we all know what happened. It was just like love that wasn't really love took over. It was really something that started with an L, but it wasn't love. So miracles come and go, but Jesus and his word always stays. And we're not saying that miracles don't happen, but don't be dependent on miracles for the peace in your life. Number two, stop believing that you can't control your thoughts. What we allow our minds to think about becomes our reality, good or bad. True or false, lovely or adulterated, praiseworthy or shameful, virtuous or sinful, tumultuous or peaceful. It's all a choice that we make. Amen? It's all right here. Number three, what you, this is what we preached about last week. What you feed your mind with becomes a mindset. What, let you, what you allow to come into your mind day in and day out, it becomes a mindset. We always say, you are what you eat. <laughs> My horse is what he eats. I mean, if I don't feed him good and he's a bony old horse, he's not going to hold up when I'm roping off of him. He's not, it's not going to work. But when we eat good things spiritually, spiritual food, or if we eat things that the world feeds us, I'm talking to somebody now. If we're eating too much of this, it's going to make us fat on the world. When we eat more of what God has for us, we're going to be lean, mean fighting machines. Yeah. Number four, fighting in a good way. <laughs> <clears throat> How many knows if you don't fight the devil, he'll uh, set up uh, a bedroom in your mind? <laughs> fight. Number four, confess what you believe, not what you feel. Too many times we live our lives about, well, I just don't feel like it. Well, who cares what you feel like? We got to do the right thing whether we feel like it or not. Everybody said Listen, this is, this is an issue I think with everybody, including me, is that we get to making decisions in our lives about what we feel instead of what is the truth and what is the word of God and what we know is the right thing to do. Doing the right thing is not always the easiest thing, but generally it's the most simple thing. Many times with the mind, we really do possess what we confess. 
Now, I grew up in the generation where the, a lot of the church, the, uh, a lot of churches would preach, uh, name it and claim it and fake it till you make it. That's what I say. <clears throat> the name it and claim it generation where, where you just say it and what you say you can have and you just claim it. And, and <coughs> with, with everything that really kind of elevates itself, there's a grain of truth to it. But how many knows there's a ditch on both sides of that road? So positive confession is a wonderful thing, but it has to be a confession of what God says and what his word is for us. And a lot of in the, in the name it and claim it type people, they say, they say, when you're sick, don't say that you're sick. And we talked about that last week, that, that we, we're well people fighting sickness. We're fighting sickness because we ultimately have, will have a perfected body, but we're fighting this sickness. But sooner or later, we're all going to die unless Jesus comes back to get us. I'm not preaching a bad thing because it's a great thing to pass on to the greater thing. Amen. Somebody said, well, it's one day above earth better than the other. I said, underneath. And I'm like, that's not what I heard. If we really believe what we preach, it's better after we quit breathing here and go on. It's going to be a better deal. We got to stop saying it wrong. Because if we really believe it, we ought to actually say it, don't you think? So we possess salvation by confessing Jesus as Lord of our lives. He said, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's a positive confession. We possess God's promises by confessing them in our, with our mouths and following through by loving God according to his plan and the plan that he has for us. When we regularly confess only what we feel and what we actually see, we are hurting our faith and not helping and not helping negative thoughts to leave. So here's what I want to say. Some, somebody put it this way. They said, don't use your mouth as a thermometer which only reads the temperature of your current condition. Allow God's word to turn your mouth into a thermostat, which changes the temperature of your life by confessing what God says. You know, when you turn the thermostat, when it's, when it's 65 degrees and you turn the thermostat up to 72 degrees, it's going to take a little bit of time for it to get there. Do I have any impatient people here? Raise your hand if you have a tendency to be a little. Well, how about the rest of y'all? <laughs> We're going to talk about honesty here in a minute. <laughs> Don't use your mouth as a thermometer, which only reads the temperature. Oh, it's just terrible. I can't believe all this stuff is happening to me. You can either, now listen, people write, 
I've had people get after me before. Well, you're just preaching like them guys that write them books on positive things and positive confession, all them positive people. Let me tell you something. Where do you think those positive people got their stuff from? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We got to get it right and understand that God is for us. He's not against us. He wants to help us. He doesn't want to hurt us. He wants to enable us because we need enabling. (laughs) Well, people, it's just a crutch. It's just a crutch. Well, a crutch is a pretty good thing if you're a cripple. Listen, we all, if we don't have God, we're pretty crippled up. We need him. But when we, if we're humble, we're going to know we need help. But arrogant, prideful people, they're like, I got this, I got this. So what you feel may not change as fast as you want it to, but through faith, your life will mature and grow in Christ. Change the thermostat and then know it's going to get better. Jesus did that in the wilderness. You remember that in his temptation with the devil. Most likely the devil tempted Jesus as he usually tempts us with thoughts. Jesus did not think the scripture. He did not only think the scripture to combat the devil's arrows. He also spoke the scripture. Do you know how how he spoke, why he spoke the scripture? Because he knew the scripture. It's hard to speak something that you don't know out in the roping arena. I, we have people every once in a while, they tell us how to rope, but they don't really know how to rope, but they think they know how <laughs> to rope. Don't speak what you feel all the time, otherwise your mind can't change Learn to speak God's word instead of how you feel. Number five, resist. Everybody say resist. Resist negative thoughts and assist positive thoughts. Assist positive thoughts. We must assist the word of God by making room for it in our hearts and resist the evil thoughts of the enemy by taking them captive and bringing them into submission to Christ. I live in the same world. Listen to me. I live in the same world that y'all live in. Things come in my mind that I don't want them. I don't want in there. I hope somebody's with me. So I said things come in my mind. I don't want them in there. Anybody with me so far? You know what I do? And I'm not telling you to do this, but I'm just telling you what I do. When that stuff comes in my mind and I, I, it just gets in there, you know what I do? I say, sometimes if nobody's around, I say, Randy, shut up. <laughs> I hate that stuff. But you got to hate it and not like it. Because the day you start liking it will, the, will be the devil, the day the devil feeds on that. And he'll turn that thermostat to where all you're thinking about is what you feel. Instead of what God says. 
Resist negative thoughts, assist positive thoughts. 1 Corinthians 10, 5, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Say amen to that. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power to demolish strongholds. That means that thing that got a hold of you that you don't like, you know it's not pleasing to God. You don't want it in your life. There is a divine power to demolish that stronghold in you through the grace and through the mercy and through the word of God. We can approach the throne of God and say, God, demolish this and help me to take every thought captive and to walk in faith and walk in the word that you have put in me as you shed that light in my path. Help me to follow the light, not the darkness, because when I get in the darkness, the light offends me. I've had people get up from church while I was preaching. When I said something that they didn't like because it offended them, the light will always offend you. You moms and dads, you ever walk into your kids' room at 6 o'clock in the morning and turn the light, oh, turn that light off, turn that light It offends people, doesn't it? It's the same with the truth of the Word of God. Demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Everybody say discipline. Because that's what it honestly takes. It takes discipline because we have to participate in the demolishing of the strongholds. We can't just say, oh God, you do it. I'm waiting on you. We have to participate Anybody ever see a, a, do they still do demolition derbies where they, they uh, crash cars into other, cra- other cars? Anybody ever see them? <laughs> I love it. I would love to do that, by the way. I just like, <laughs> it would just be so much fun, I think. But they call them demolition derbies and what they do, they demolish these cars until they die. Y'all with me? To demolish the strongholds, you have to keep banging up against it. Sometimes you got to hit that car, and, and you're like, whoa, 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 man, that was tearing that other one up. And that other one comes back and beats the other one up, and then it wins. Whoever has the most perseverance and the best car always wins. The Word of God is living and powerful inside of us. And it's willing to demolish. And there's a demolition derby going on a lot of times every day of our lives. But we have to make up our mind whether we're going to smash it and kill it or if we're going to entertain it and get in it. Don't speak what you feel all the time. Otherwise, your mind can't change. Learn to speak God's word instead. Number five, resist. Oh, I did that. 
positive thoughts are not going to stay. They need to be assisted. Negative thoughts are not going to leave. They need to be resisted. Your positive thoughts need to be assisted. And your negative thoughts need to be resisted. Does that make sense? Pretty simple. My mom said that you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you don't have to let them build a nest in your hair. <laughs> resist the devil. Resist our thoughts. Resist pos- uh, assist positivity, and God will work through us. Bad thoughts come. Yeah, you with me. Bad thoughts do come, but they don't have to stay. If we speak against them the truth of God's word, they'll have to leave. Step number six, celebrate the process. Celebrate the process. I don't know if you're good at celebrating. Some people are just really good at everything like that. I'm not very good at it. I'm pretty, I'm kind of like that guy that just, just like a workhorse that just keeps pushing forward, keeps pushing. And I, I don't celebrate like I could, but I think it's important for us to celebrate the process. Uh, a lot of times we talk about when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, we talk about, well, the, the benefit of, knowing, of accepting Christ is that we get to heaven. I would say in context that the residual blessing of serving God is that we get to heaven, get to go to heaven. But the biggest blessing of serving God is that we have God's presence in our lives right here, right now. And I think it's important for us to understand the value of embracing this process of life. I was wondering if we had any perfect people here this morning. If, if you're perfect, uh, you can come preach. You can come preach. We realize, do we not, we realize I'm, I'm real good at finding flaws in myself. Because they're always there. However, I do know that I am in the process of beating this body down into, into subjection so that the spirit of God that is alive and well and perfect inside of me can overrule the flesh that wants to do what the world says to do. But it's always a battle. So what we have to do is when we get small victories, I, I think about the uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. They give little coins. You with me? They give a little coins, one-week coin, two-week coin, a year coin of, of alcohol-free or drug-free. It's a celebration. You with me? I think that that's a good thing. We need to do a little bit more celebrating and not be as hard on ourselves as we generally are for, for the most part and celebrate those little victories. When you are victorious over something, celebrate it. Um, I think there's a reason why God took six days to create the world instead of one day. 
He wanted to show us how to go through the process of change. Each day something great was done and God would end the day by celebrating what was done instead of complaining about what he didn't get done that day. Hmm. On the third day, when there was still so much work to be done, God saw that it was good. God didn't look at what was still unfinished. He celebrated what was complete. Celebrating and giving glory to God is embracing the process of life. Renewing the mind happens when we celebrate small victories and focus on what God is doing instead of what he's not doing. Somebody needs to hear this. Because you've been praying for something for a long time. And you're pretty upset because you haven't got what you asked for yet. Celebrate the process of faith. Celebrate the process of, of honestly not knowing what's going to happen. It's good for us not to know sometimes what the future holds because it'll give us more faith in the one who holds our future. When God knows, I could give you all kinds of illustrations here, but it has to be good with us to put faith in God for the circumstances that we don't understand or for the things that we're praying for and maybe they're not happening the way we think they should happen. I'm telling you, putting faith and confidence in God in that situation will be a gift not only to the person that you're praying about or the situation that you're praying for. It'll be a gift to you of peace knowing that God has got it. I can't say that strong enough. It's so true. Also, comparing our circumstances with others is always a dead-end road. <laughs> the devil tried to mess up the process of renewing your mind by making you compare your progress with somebody else. Business people always look at other business people. Spouse comparisons. His hus Her husband's such a good handyman. This, this one's pretty close to my heart right here. <laughs> right. Well, his wife's always cooking, cooks every meal for him. I just can't believe you don't cook. Well, her house is always just so clean. It's just immaculate. What's wrong with you? You know, it's easy to complain about what you don't have. But it's not easy to do something about it. I feel like I hit a little. Well, those other, other parents, those other kids, they're, they're, they always get good grades. Oh, he's such an athlete. What's wrong with you? Envy will mess up our spiritual maturity. If we're complete in God, we, need, we don't need to compare ourselves with other people. God made each one of us with certain specific gifts, and we've got to be 
good with those gifts and grow the gift that God has given us and be content in our godliness. So comparing leads to complaining. We got any, don't raise your hand on this one, okay? <laughs> got any complainers out there? Don't raise <laughs> That one wife raised her hand for her husband. <laughs> complaining can lead to breaking the 10th commandment or coveting. Coveting kills creative process of God and the renewing of our minds. If your neighbor's lawn looks greener than yours, start watering your own lawn. <laughs> I got a lot of friends of mine. Okay. Uh, there's uh, the World Series of Team Roping is in Las Vegas this coming week. And we're going to go rope there. Tomorrow, actually. Caleb's going to preach tomorrow night. But uh, uh, all my friends, not all of them, but a lot of my friends went to Wickenburg, and it's a, Arizona, and it's a big mecca for team roping. And, like, my horse actually is there because my friend took him on the way to Vegas. And all week long, they've been texting me about what they won and how, how f- much fun they're having. And I'm, I'm, I'm like... Here in Montgomery, my sucker in the dirt, because I, I didn't get to go, you know. <laughs> Comparing leads to complaining. We can't allow ourselves to get ourselves down because somebody gets to do something that we don't get to do. The best version of you is what God's looking for. He wants you just to be you, but also to be the best version of you that you can be. Philippians 1.6, it says, being confident. Everybody say confident. Confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, God started something in you. You with me? God has started something big inside of you. And he is willing to carry it on to completion. But we have to participate and keep carrying it on. Can you say amen to that? Everybody say, he's not done with me yet. Hallelujah. My last point is expect miracles. Expect them. Expecting something good to happen, it really is a choice. It's an act of faith. A person with a renewed mind has a positive expectation up in the forefront of our mind. Looking for something positive. Don't let your imagination create an image in which things will go bad for you, such as sickness getting worse. Oh, I just don't feel good. I think, I think, I think I got the COVID. I get around people, I've been around people in the past that had it. And the very minute 
the very minute that I heard that they had it, I kind of feel something on, on the inside. Of it. Oh, I hope, I hope I'm not getting it. Anybody with me out there? <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> then you get to think about how close you got to him and all that. And, oh, I hugged him. Oh, no. So don't let your imagination create an image that's, that's detrimental to your relationships, fail, falling apart. Oh, my, a lot of times relationships fail because a, of a misconceived perception. We perceive something in a person and what they said, and they may have just been having a bad day. But we perceive it like, oh, they don't like me. And then the devil can jump in on that and really bring negative vibes to that relationship. Really, and, it, and we just fall right into it a lot of times. Can you say amen, some of y'all? So, like I'm going to rope in the World Series this coming week. And I have to, in my mind, I have to think about, I can't think about, oh, I, I, I just, I can't miss, I can't miss. You don't want to think about not missing. You want to think about catching. <laughs> you got to have confidence and trust that what you've worked toward and worked for is going to happen. And there's always disappointments along the way, but a turtle really doesn't get anywhere until he sticks his head out. Yeah. You got to do something. Do something. My daddy used to say, he'd he, he say do something even if it's wrong. Just do something. Yeah. Try it. You might like it. Success in relationships, business, family, kids. Expect good things out of your kids. Expect good things out of your marriage. Expect good things out of your coworkers. Expect good things out of your boss. Stop trying not to fail and speaking and speaking. Try not to fail and speaking and living and start speaking and living how to succeed. Replace the negative imaginations with, with promises from God's word. God's word will always, always be the right answer to every question. Expectations, stay with me now. Expectations are a breeding place for miracles. Generally, not always, but generally, we get what we expect. If you always expect to be beat up and beat down. You always expect to be, never have anything or never, never rise above, above your circumstances or your situations. Generally, you won't. But if you expect and you work toward it and you invest and you sow good seeds in life, you will have and you'll pay off in great dividends with the peace of God that passes all understanding. You can have peace in the middle of any situation that you live in if you will keep your mind stayed on him. See, some people wake up in the morning 
with the feeling that something bad is going to happen to them that day. If that happens to you, it's from the devil. Go back to bed and wake up again until you have a positive feeling that God is good and he has good plans for you. You start over again. He said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, give you good health, give you hope for your future. But many times we define prosperity the way the world has defined prosperity. God's definition of prosperity is the prosperity of soul. He said, I would that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Prosperity of the soul is the most valuable type of prosperity whenever all we want to do is go down there to, to the Valero and buy a lottery ticket so we can prosper monetarily. Listen, this Prosperity that God has made available to his people and to his church is the prosperity of peace, the prosperity of hope, the prosperity of a healthy mindset knowing that God is more than enough for every situation you find yourself in. It's a good prosperity. If you keep getting bad thoughts that something will happen and they do you're releasing your faith in the bad things you're thinking about. Let me say that again. If you keep getting bad thoughts that something will happen, and they do, you're releasing faith in the bad habits. You see, you're either putting your faith in the bad things and the addictions that you have, or you put your faith in the God that can help you to develop the power and empower you to overcome the addiction in your life. You see, whatever we think is the way we go. It's a good, good sermon. It's a good sermon. When we, in the year 2000, we moved to Montgomery. Darla and I moved to Montgomery. And uh, we felt like God gave us a vision. We wrote out what God wanted to do through us. We always felt that God wanted to give us, we said like 20 acres. But we wanted it on Highway 105 or 149. The people that were in that meeting, there was about 25 of them. And I mean, not hardly anybody, but there's about 25. But when we said that, we need property on 105 or 149. Even in the year 2000, it was pretty expensive. And they really did laugh at us. Oh, you'll never, huh, you don't get that. You won't get any property on 105 or 149. It's just too expensive. They didn't know what he knew. They didn't know. So we're here for a couple of years, roaming around, roaming around, trying to, wherever they let us have church, that's where we have church. A friend that the, the, the building across the store, across the street used to be a feed store. And he said, he called me up. He said, Randy, I think I found some property for you that'll work for the church. And uh, this whole piece of property was completely grown over. We couldn't even see them, those big oak trees. You couldn't even see them from the road. The for sale sign was grown. You couldn't even see the for sale sign. It had been there so long. 
He got a key and he drove me back. There was one little trail took, took you back to that little pond back there. And we got on that, this property. <laughs> I started I start crying like a baby right in front of him. And he didn't even come to church. <laughs> something inside of me was just like, something was happening. And I, I just I went back and told Darla, and I was like, man, I don't know what's going on, but something happened when we drove on there. I'd like to tell you that real spiritual and, and that God just like sent this lightning bolt with a note on it. Hey, Randy, you buy the property. No. <coughs> so we're in a little trailer house, camper, or a little office trailer, the mobile office trailer at our house out there off a of Kenyan cutoff. <sighs> and I'm, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And Dora's like, well, call him. Just call him. I'm like, well, I don't know. And I'm walking up and down that, that little trailer. I'm just walking. Like, Randy, just sit down and call him. So I sit down. I call him. What do you want? 500,000. 42 acres, 500,000. Wouldn't you like that now? <laughs> 500,000. I'm like, uh, would you would you take 325? I just asked him. I didn't have no money anyway. <laughs> uh, no, that's true. I take that back. We had six thousand dollars in the checking account, and we hadn't paid any bills that month yet. I said, well, you take 325. No, no, we can't do that. I said, uh, yeah, I said, well, would you take 400? I said, no, we didn't take it. I said, would you take 425? We'll take 425. And when they said that, it scared me. Because <laughs> I am a horse trader, I promise you. I got to trade horses all week and preach on Sunday to make an honest living. That's what my dad used to say. <laughs> so, I said, Will you give me 60 days to get the money together? I'm just thinking on my feet. And they said, yeah, we'll do that. I'm like, okay. And I hung the phone up. I'm like, I told Dollar. I, I said, well, if we don't get the money, we don't get the money. But at least we got something started here. And uh, I got I to gotta move fast with this. But there was, we had a little campfire out there at the, at the, at our house, there's about, about six or eight, maybe 10, 11 people there. And just sweet presence of God out there. And I had a really a good calf roping horse. And I, uh, God spoke to my heart. Well, the bank, talked to the bank, and the bank said, 10%, if you can get 42,000, we'll loan you the money. I'm like, well, So the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, I want you to sell Ringo. That was my horse. He said, I want you to sell Ringo and, and uh, put that money toward the down payment. And I didn't really want to do that. But uh, the Lord reminded me, because we always pray over them, the Lord, and dedicate them kind of like you do with your kids, dedicate them to the Lord. And the Lord reminded me the day we laid our hands on him and dedicated him to the Lord. And he said, well, and he asked me, he said, well, whose horse is he really, Randy? Whose horse is he? 
I'm like, well, he's your award. He said, I, I want you to sell him. And so I did that, and then Darla had a horse. She's like, well, if you're going to sell your horse, I'll sell my horse too. So she sold her horse. I sold Ringo for $20,000, half the down payment. Well, he was a good horse. When, when everybody saw that, I mean, people just began to give. It, just, it was crazy. We come up with the money. Got the property bought. Put a tent up there. Within a month's time, we was having church right here on this property. Miracle after miracle. That Christmas, this is my Christmas story. At Christmas Eve, at the candlelight service down in the tent, the guy that bought my horse from me, his dad came up and gave me a Christmas card. I put it in my back pocket. Everybody gone. Had a little stage up there. I sat down on that stage after everybody left. I picked out, pulled up, pulled out that card and opened it up and looked at it. And in that card was the transfer slip to that horse, the Quarter Horse Association. And that guy gave that horse back to me. Gave him back to me. Here's, here's what he said. He said, he never, he said he never felt like my horse anyway. And we brought him back and Caleb went to the Texas National Finals on that horse, state finals. It's a great horse. That horse's name is Ringo and he's buried right on the, on the other side of the driveway right there. You know, Donna's supposed to write something and we're supposed to put a little memorial up there but we can't figure out what to say but he laid right there my point is is that Ringo was just a horse until he found his purpose he just go through the motions being a horse then something happened. And I can't tell you how many people have found Christ right here on this property because that horse found his purpose. And that purpose was an investment in eternity in the lives of men and women. It can't ever be about our possessions, my friend. It can't be about that. It always has to be about him. And when he takes our little bit. Look what he does. Look what he does. Look what the Lord has done. You do get paid for thinking. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your blessings. We thank you, Lord, that all the good and perfect things come from you. This morning, we humble ourselves before you knowing that, that uh, we, we really are desperate for you, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you make all things new. And Lord, that because of your presence in our lives, that we possess a perfect spirit, the Holy Spirit of God that dwells inside of us. Help us, Lord, not to be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good 
perfect and acceptable will that you have for us. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. Today, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I will tell you this, that that's the greatest privilege afforded to mankind that God has provided for us. The scripture says that we've all sinned. Listen to me. We have all sinned. I've sinned. We've all sinned. Come short of the glory. But he said if we would confess, if we'd humble ourselves and just confess that we are sinners and that we need a Savior and we accept Christ as our Savior, it doesn't mean that we won't ever sin again. But what that means is that there will be a transformation that happens inside of us because God is with us. God will never make us serve him, but he will invite you to come into his kingdom and he'll knock at your heart's door, but it's our job to open. So this morning, if you've never accepted him, maybe if you have, you haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, preacher, I need, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. We want to put a Bible in it. Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus. Yep. Thank you, partner. Leave your hand up. Yes, right here. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Leave your hand up till we get a Bible in it, please. Thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Don't be shy. It's the greatest privilege. It's a freak. It's, I know in this world you think everything costs something. Listen, listen to me. Jesus paid the price. You don't have to pay the price for your salvation. It's the gift of God, not by works lest any man should boast. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. The Holy Spirit speaking to somebody this morning. Don't, don't, don't let this moment pass. It's the greatest day of your life. Anybody? Preacher, that's me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you raise your hand, would you look up at me? Would you mind looking up? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? I'd be honored to pray with you if you don't mind. It'd be a great, great privilege. I'm proud of you, buddy. It says Cowboy Church out there. It's really crybaby church. <laughs> let, me, let me pray with you, okay? Just repeat after, repeat after me. and Let me help you invite Jesus in your heart, okay? Just say, Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for dying on the cross. For my sins. For my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward. From this day forward. I give my life to you. I give my life to Jesus. Help me to read my Bible. Read my Bible. To pray. To pray. Show up for church. Show up for church. Get baptized. I get baptized. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Tell me your name. Joe. Joe. 
it's your day. It's your birthday, actually. Your spiritual birthday. God came in your heart, came in your life, made all things new. Listen, the devil, he wants to remind us of our past. And the only reason he does that is because we can't do anything about it. Don't let your past, don't let your past dictate your future. Old things are passed away. Everything's new. Okay, Joe? All right, buddy. I love you. visit this guy for a second, Joe. Thank you, buddy. I love you. Stay with me, please. <clears throat> you know, discipline, discipline is generally used in a negative connotation. I'm telling you something. Discipline is one of the greatest gifts that you can give to yourself. It's a great gift. And when you give yourself the gift of discipline and you give yourself and let the gift of faith work in you, you won't have to see everything in order to believe it because you trust God and you've disciplined yourself to trust God. Amen? Just like you disciplined yourself, get up and go to church. We're going to church. Don't let church be an option for you. Don't, don't, ever, don't ever go, well, you want to go this morning? I don't know. What do you want to do? Just, just do it. Why? It's the right thing to do. Amen? How many need more discipline in your life? Raise your hand. Raise both hands. I want to pray for you. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your life. Lord, we all need more discipline in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be uh, people of faith, confidence, trusting, believing, full of hope, full of perseverance. Lord, help us, Lord, to think on the good things that are true, noble, good report, the virtuous things. Uh, uh, if there's any thing that's praiseworthy, help us to think and to discipline our minds to think on the good things of God. And Lord, I pray, oh God, that the God of peace, the God of peace will stay with us. And I thank you, Lord for your gift of peace to everybody here. I speak peace in marriages. I speak peace in relationships. I speak peace in businesses. I speak peace in our, in our school. I speak peace in our town. I speak peace in all of our nation. Everybody watching online, I speak peace to those watching online. And Lord, may your peace, the peace that passes all understanding, rule and reign in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said... Amen. God bless y'all. We love you. We've got a prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, love to have you.